In the last few weeks, we have been making our way through one of the most memorable chapters in the Holy Scripture, the great chapter of love as it is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the more excellent way that the Apostle has pointed out to the Corinthians who in the, the, the flush of excitement of living in the days of the Apostles when the Holy Spirit was poured out in a profound way with all kinds of, of displays of miracles and wonders that came not only through the apostles' hands, but also within the orbit of the early church where the apostles moved as signs and badges that God was doing a new work and speaking to his people and that those who heard the apostles heard the Son of God. And he who hears the Son of God Here's the Father. And yet, as immature children, they handled the gifts that they receive childishly and with immaturity. And the apostle does not forbid them. No, indeed, he encourages them to take these gifts that the Lord had given and use them properly. But he points them to a more excellent way. That if you gain nothing from what I've said, don't miss this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge... And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, if I have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So in these opening words, Paul uh, demolishes, as it were, all those uh, pretended uh, values and uh, uh, monuments of importance when compared with love are nothing and those who cling to them in turn, they're not something. They're, They're nothing. Perspective. Christians, oh, we constantly stand in need of perspective. And that's why, from the moment of our conversion, we must make a beeline to the house of God. No church is perfect. It will have its flaws and it will have its defects. But find the best church that you can and lock yourself into it and contribute to the life and to the welfare and support it through thick and thin. Because you're not yet home. And the threats that you face are not just out there. 
Many of the threats are right here. We need perspective. We need to be retooled, recalibrated, realigned. So the apostle shows us, as he showed the Corinthians, that more excellent way, the way of charity or love. We began looking at verses 4 to 8 last Lord's Day at charity as long-suffering or as patience. Now, uh, the next description of this more excellent way is that charity or love is kind. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Or as sometimes we encounter in our translation, loving kindness. The excellence of this kindness, this loving kindness. Consider with me, dear brothers and sisters, four points concerning this excellence of kindness. It is most excellent because it is a revealing virtue. It is an active virtue. It is a beneficial virtue, and it is a divine virtue. Come, children, so easily distracted, so easily drawn away, so easily making mountains out of molehills and molehills out of mountains. Come, consider this more excellent way. This way of kindness. If you get love, you get patience, you get kindness, you get uh, the, the ability not to envy, not to, uh, to be puffed up. These are all so many dimensions of the Christian virtue of love, which the Holy Spirit plants in every chosen sinner at the day of their conversion. Kindness is most excellent since it is a revealing virtue. Now, love cannot be grasped in the abstract. It remains hidden to us. But we know love when love makes itself known. How can we know that, that somebody loves us? It's, it's locked up in the treasure chest of their heart. How do we know if someone is a friend or a foe? Well, we don't. We're not, we're not mind readers. And not only can we not know the presence of love, we cannot even really know the nature of love. So many sing about love, and yet, yet they're, really, they're really blind and trying to, to grope and to feel their way about that which they find so very uh, important to them. But love comes, true love comes to our senses so that we can know it by its outward expressions, and we especially see this in kindness. Charity is kind. It it shows itself. It comes out from behind the curtains. Kindness. 
Kindness is, can we say, it's, it's got a shape. It's got texture. It's got color. We recognize it when we see it. Think of God, the incomprehensible one, the one whom we cannot see. No man has seen God at any time. Now, this God, the Apostle John tells us, is love. But if God is love and God cannot be seen, well, then how are we ever going to know what love is? It remains remote. Very distant. Our our confession puts it very uh, strikingly, doesn't it? When when it says that that we cannot have any, any direct contact or fruition, which means to say enjoyment of God, except by some voluntary condescension on His part. Otherwise, we just, we can't have contact. We can't have that knowledge and and intimacy. There must be revelation. And that's what God has done. He doesn't leave it up to the imagination. We see on a daily basis His kindness. The mercy of the Lord, says the psalmist. The loving kindness of the Lord is throughout the earth. Everywhere there is goodness. On that lazy summer afternoon as you lay in in the green grass and you look up at the blue sky and see the clouds swimming along. Everywhere God is pouring out His goodness upon you. It's not unique to Israel, the church of God, but also the heathen were constantly on the receiving end of this goodness of God. It was very clear. They may have been blind idolaters, willfully blind, but when the Iconium, the, those of Iconium wanted to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas because they, they think that their gods come, come down from heaven in bodily shape, they said, no! We're men of like passions like you. And we can, we've been sent to, 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 to call you to repentance from these things, but don't think that God has been altogether absent from the scene here in Asia Minor. Oh, no. He left not himself without a witness and that he did good, giving us Paul, This circumcised Jew right next to these uncircumcised heathen who never had the Bible. He did good unto us, giving us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. You see, that is is the God who is love, who shows His love, who shows it by tangible kindness. And all the more through the preaching of the gospel which cannot known by nature. Herein is love. Would you know what love is? Do you want to, to see 
not a, an example, but the embodiment of love here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And is it just words? No, he showed it. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation of our sins. This is the more excellent way, Corinthians. This is the more excellent way. Brothers and sisters, charity suffereth long and is kind. It is a most revealing virtue. Second, this kindness, this blessed dimension of love, it is a most excellent virtue because it is a most active virtue. Now, as the apostle celebrates, as he, as he gives this great inspired tribute to Christian love, and again, as we've considered recently, Real love is Christian love. And anything outside of Christian love is less than. But observe how this charity, this love is so multidimensional that at one moment we see it in in its patient form. It is long-suffering. It is... Uh, absorbing the blows and taking the injuries. That's, that's love in its passive response. That's what suffering means, is to endure, to bear, especially with injuries that aren't fair. Words, accusations, that are not fair, that are not substantiated, that are not founded upon truth. These things are not fair, but love does not always insist on its rights. The Lord Jesus Christ does call his disciples, when they strike you on the one cheek, turn the other also. But this aspect of love, this kindness, is an active virtue. This one is passive. The other is active. How imperfect love would be if it only suffered wrong, but could not actively do anything more. But here is a sweet partner, this complement to patience, to long-suffering. Love works. Love labors. Love exerts. It strains. It sweats. Faith works by love, says the apostle. It's not... It's not loving simply to to refrain from retaliation. No, there has to be active doing of good. 
The Lord calls us to be active. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor with his hands, doing the thing that is good. Why? That he may have something to give to him that needs. So if you are not working when you are able-bodied, whoever you are, if you're able-bodied and you can work, then you must that you may love God and love your neighbor. And not just working for oneself, you see. Now that's one part of love is that we, we labor as far as we can. Now, we we acknowledge we all have our limitations and our special callings and abilities, so not everyone's work is going to look the exact same. It's not going to uh, be uh, at the same volume, at the same intensity, but it's going to work. It's going to be active, doing good in the first case, so I don't have to be a burden to others. God wants us to carry our weight. Boys and girls, God wants you to carry your weight. Now, you can't carry the same weight as your parents do. But you've got to do what you can to help your parents, to help the family, to enable them to be more effective in providing for the family and enabling them to do good to others. You see, when we're all in the right rhythm, all the cogs are are moving together, how much more efficient are we in, number one, not being an unnecessary burden to others, but having the over and above to do good to others? I can have you in my home because I'm not unnecessarily tied up doing things that shouldn't necessarily have to be done. You see, love is kind, and it's, it's, it's looking out, not for myself simply, but for others. Charity suffereth long and is kind. It is, it is a muscular virtue. Christian, if you're alive, then move. How do we know that you're alive? Well, twitch, blink, do something. You may not do everything that you could, but do what you can. Contribute. Relieve. Oh, but I don't feel like it. Well, you see, that's, that's the antithesis of love. It's that inordinate love of self. Now, God doesn't want us to hate our bodies and hate ourselves in that sense? No. But he wants us to think outside the little box of our own personal I. You are more than ego. There is we. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that's not going to be pleasant. It's going to be irritating at times. 
it's going to be inconvenient. Oh, but you mean that I have to expose myself to inconvenience? Praise God that his son exposed himself to inconvenience. It's hard work, this love. It's it's messy. It endures. It is patient, but it is also active. It doesn't gather dust. Christian, is your love gathering dust? Are you letting your muscles atrophy? By not exercising it, have there been certain expressions of kindness that you used to practice, but you've allowed yourself to get into a slump because you've been so focused upon yourself? Well, you will find that if you begin to exercise this muscle of love that shows concrete, practical, and tangible kindness to others who are made in the image of God, you will find the blessing of God coming to you in infinitely greater ways than you ever could have been by simply pursuing your own pleasure. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul could testify, couldn't he? These hands have ministered to my needs. He was a preacher. He shouldn't have had to do that. He said the labor is worthy of his wages. But in his circumstances, he knew that the most edifying and God-honoring thing to do is him to refrain from that right and to put calluses on his hands. When he said... Redeem the time for the days are evil. Paul could say that as one who practiced that. This loving kindness is an active virtue. Third, this kindness is most excellent because it is a beneficial virtue. Now this really springs from Uh, from the fountain of the previous point. Uh, uh, Kindness is not just active in that it's working. It's working with a view to doing good. You know some people who are very, very busy. But are they doing good? And let's be honest, there have been times in our life when we've been very, very busy, but have we been doing good? Have we been working ourselves up in a frenzy? Have we been straining ourselves in a misguided and misdirected way? Well, this virtue is beneficial because it does good to others. There is an overflowing of the banks About 10 years ago in our neighborhood, uh, the nearby river, the Patuxet, overflowed its banks and caused a lot of damage. 
But there are some rivers which, if they overflow their banks, instead of doing damage, rather it shares and communicates and spreads that which is good, such as the, the River Nile. You know, if you look, if you go to, to Google Earth and look over Egypt, you'll just see this, this light yellow everywhere, but then there's this dark green strip right down the middle, and it opens up into a triangle right at the Mediterranean Sea. Life. Abundance. Kindness. It overflows its banks. It blesses others. The Lord is good and He does good. He creates good where it was not before. He restores good that had been lost as the man with the withered hand. Perhaps he had full control of that hand at one point, but the Lord restored it and made it whole as the other. Well, that, that is what the Lord, through this better way, as he brings us by faith and repentance in Jesus Christ to this love and connects us to it, all of a sudden the love of God streams out and it overflows. We don't have enough room here. If you're a Christian, you don't have enough room for your love. So what do you do? You open the windows. You open the doors. You break down the wall. You create an addition. You spread it. Kindness is most excellent. This loving kindness, it is beneficial because it is pleasant to others. Let us not please ourselves but please others. It's it's pleasing when we receive kindness from others. Interesting, the word uh, that is translated here, kind or, or kindness, is used by our Lord Jesus Christ when he speaks about a man who has... Uh, been accustomed to drinking fine wine, old wine. And he never, having developed a taste for that better wine, immediately says, I'd like some new wine. No, for he says the old is better. It's more pleasant. It's more satisfying. That's what this kindness is. It is, it is more pleasing and more satisfying. And those who cultivate it, lo and behold, they find themselves more satisfied and more pleased. There is that scatters and yet decreases. And there is that holds on more than is fitting and yet he loses. It is pleasing. It is beneficial because it is useful and profitable to others. 
if I may put it reverently, and I trust it won't be mistaken, God is the greatest of all capitalists. He loves to see profit, and he loves to invest in others so that they may turn a profit. And so, when God gives us good things, he calls upon us to invest in others, to share the profit. Charity suffereth long and is kind. It is beneficial because it is, it is easy on others or it facilitates their ease and comfort. This is not to say that loving kindness is never to be firm, but when the time calls for it, it is to be easy. In fact, more often than not, Galatians 5.22, one of the fruit of the Spirit, long-suffering, gentleness. Here it's the same word, kindness, but it's translated here as gentleness. Jesus used this word when he said, my yoke is easy. Same word. It's an easy yoke. You've been under yokes before. They they weigh you down. They press down. But then he gives you this easy yoke. Oh, I, I don't even feel that anything's around my neck. And maybe some of you have not come to Christ because you've thought that his yoke was hard. You think it's hard to be a Christian. Well, in one sense that's true, but in another sense, it is hard to be a sinner. The way of transgressors is hard. Look and see. See this world filled with people going their own ways, and are they really happy? the Christian has an easy yoke. It is light. It is smooth. It is soft. It is gentle. And that's what the gospel does when it comes into to one. Uh, it's, we especially see it when, when you see somebody who is, who is a, a gruff and, and, and very hard. They, they become soft. Not too soft when the grace of God is properly at work. But the edge, let's say the sinful edge, the selfish edge. So a man who once he becomes a Christian doesn't stop being masculine. In fact, if anything, he becomes firmer and more resolute in that which is good. But the edge of his abusive words or his misuse of the physical strength that God has given him, or or even not not the physical strength, but just just the persona. You know, it's, it's intimidating to look up and see somebody twice your size, and he's starting to get angry. But when love comes, it doesn't emasculate the Christian It takes the edges off. And it puts some edges 
where there were no edges before. This loving kindness is beneficial because it is gracious, yes, compassionate towards others. Paul translates this same word as tender-hearted in Ephesians 4. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, that means shouting, boys and girls, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. If the Lord, the great master painter, has painted this grace of love upon the canvas of your life, he in turn gives you a more than abundant supply of the same paint to paint in others' lives as well. And really, simply to be a channel. Really, all we are is the brush in the hand of the master. Paint. You who have been given this love, this love of God, who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and you'll never know this love if you don't know that love. And you can try. You can try to improve yourself. You can decide from this very sermon that you're turning over a new leaf, and yet you have not yet tasted and seen that the Lord is gracious. You're just going to go about trying to be a better you and to establish your righteousness before God and to say thanks but no thanks to a crucified Savior. But if the Lord has wrought in your heart and he is painting your uh, your canvas with the, the beauty and the glory of holiness and this most excellent virtue of loving kindness, be active. Don't wait. Don't wait for the perfect opportunity. You know, we can just... We can tie ourselves in knots with all kinds of self-imposed rules. Oh, it's got to be just the right opportunity. You know, that's the wrong opportunity. Do it habitually. Practice. Practice makes perfect. You're not going to get better. You're not going to exhibit this love of God instantaneously. You're going to make some mistakes. You're going to fall. You're going to scuff your knees. Well, then just go wash it off. Apply a little hydrogen peroxide. Put a bandage on. Get back up and do it again. And if you've been hard-hearted, Well, don't wallow in it. Repent right now. Repent of your hard-heartedness. Repent of your selfishness. The Lord is merciful. He is kind. He is so kind, He is more willing to forgive you than you are willing to be forgiven. And start afresh. And take up the palette. And take up the paintbrush. And go and do good. 
and be generous. Be enterprising. Where do you see blank canvas? Don't wait for your pastor to tell you. Don't wait for mom and dad to tell you. If there is blank canvas, go paint. And if you especially see canvases that have been blackened and soiled and smeared with sin and with unkindness, all the more, here is a fit canvas for the exercise of this grace. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Oh, but this is just sentimentality. There is nothing of Orthodox Christianity in this driveling romanticism. Some may say such a thing. Well, Orthodox Christianity is never mere sentimentalism. But it is always sentimental. Love, we remember, is eminently rational. It begins with the mind, but it does not stop there. Love begins through repentance, through faith in the gospel of God's love, the love that gave His Son. It begins with the mind, but it does not stop. It proceeds to right feeling, and from right feeling to right action. And sometimes it skips the right feeling. It just goes from the right thinking to the right action, because, you know, I'm not going to wait for the right feeling to come. Paint, Christian, the inside. You know, you can repaint the outside of your house, and maybe it needs to be repainted. But most of the time, that's not for your benefit. That's for the benefit of your neighbors, or perhaps your your reputation. But paint on the inside, where you have to live most of the time. Paint your thoughts. Paint your feelings. Think kind thoughts of your neighbor. Is he made in the image of God? Then dwell on it. Does she have some positive features? Does he do something good for you, for others? Does he have any wisdom, any insight, any skill worth appreciating? Is she hardworking? Is she patient and quiet? Is he humorous? Does he make you laugh? Does he bring a little kindness into your life? Can he draw well? Can she swim well? Does he excel in math? Do you have any fond thoughts of him or her, even among those who displease you? So start with those who please you and think good thoughts about them, but then move to those who don't please you. You are not simply to love your friends and do good to them only, says Jesus, but also your enemies. Even among those who displease you, is there some redeeming feature that they have? Anything at all that you may retrieve in your mind, dust off, and put on the pedestal of your respect. 
Or are they altogether monsters without anything at all to commend them? Well, if that's the case, do they at least make you look good? You who are so exceptionally perfect and without flaw in every way? Let's be honest. Do we not often see in those who displease us a little mirror of ourselves? Or maybe not a mirror of ourselves as we are right now, but as we were five years ago. Or are we forgetting? Perhaps someone has fallen into bad habits and bad thinking and bad action. And it's frustrating and it hurts. But is that always the way that they were? Perhaps it will help to pray for them if you can remember those days. Think good thoughts as much as you can. That's not to brush things under the carpet, okay? That's not what the Bible is teaching us. We're going to explore more of that when we consider that love rejoices in the truth. This is not turning a blind eye to reality. But it's the bent and the tendency of the heart to love even one's enemies. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Think on these things. Then paint on the outside. Paint the inside, but then go paint on the outside. Speak kind words. Speak words of encouragement. When you can, without flattery, words of praise. Words that are helpful. Sometimes, and they should be the exception, but sometimes those words will not be the words maybe that they want to hear. But if it's coming from a heart of kindness, it's good. Those who are in the medical profession, they take a vow to do no harm. But sometimes in order to do good, there has to be some pain. But so, the believer in such circumstances will say, let the righteous smite me, it shall be a kindness, and let him reprove me, and it shall be an excellent oil which shall not break my head. Speak good, kind things to your neighbor. Speak good and kind things about your neighbor. Protect and honor their reputation as much as you can. Let us beware of gossip, even if it is true. But let our love not only rest in words, let us perform them in deeds. Let us relieve burdens, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Much of Christianity is silent. 
when with the feet and with the hands one shows the love of God. We close ever so briefly with our final point. Kindness, this loving kindness is most excellent since it is a divine virtue. And so we come full circle. This love is, it is not an island. It is not a a being or a thing unto itself. God is love. And there is no love in this world that does not ultimately spring from God, but that love, that kindness that is truly worthy of the name has been shown in the salvation that he has wrought through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But after that, says Paul to Titus, after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us stingy, no, abundantly, through Jesus Christ our Savior. How lavish How lavishly kind the Lord has been. Freely you have received, therefore freely give. Amen. Let us pray. O God of love, we worship and adore Thee thanking Thee for the love of God that we have seen, received, tasted, and embraced. Make it, Lord, to grow within us. And, O God, teach us to manifest the love of God in our love to each other. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us now sing from Psalm 36.